We are uh, continuing the series that we started last week, and um, and again, as we start a, a new year um, and with kind of new beginnings and new new goals, and and just uh, you know, the, the new year comes with just a fresh excitement about about uh, new things, and and in that. Now, with that said, is as we do that, we started last week is looking at this concept of rewards. And um, again, I, I spend time every year like planning out messages and, and praying and seeking God about, hey, what is it that I need to teach within this next year? And, and, and again, through just my own Bible study is I just started seeing all throughout scripture this, these descriptions of rewards. And so with that said, as like I said, as, as it was built into this message series is based on this verse in Hebrews eleven six, 6, which is our theme verse for this series, that God rewards those who sincerely seek him. And again, as we look at that, at first, like I said, as I started to see all these different passages talking about rewards, um, and maybe like you, but for me at first, I was like, but that's kind of, that's the opposite of the gospel message, right? And so, you know, we hear that we are saved not as because of our works. Again, that Christianity is not a works-based religion, Christianity, right, is a faith-based relationship with God. And so, how, again, that was my first question was, how does that fit with the gospel? And, and yet, I keep seeing all of these themes throughout Scripture about rewards. And so, again, last week, we kind of laid the foundation for the series. And, and again, we started with, uh, with these verses in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, okay, where it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And again, we just finished celebrating the Christmas season and, and celebrating the most incredible gift that we could ever receive of the Christ child and, and that, that he grew up, right, to, to die on a cross and rise again on the third day so we could be saved. And again, just as these verses say, we are saved by his grace. Again, we are saved by what he did, not by what we do. By grace that we receive something we don't deserve. By his grace, when we believed, through faith. Right? And so again, it is, our salvation is not a reward for the good things that we do. And again, every other world religion is, is if you, it is a works-based religion. Christianity is not. As you say, again, our salvation is not a reward for the good things that we do. We get our salvation because of Jesus Christ, and he paid our price for us by grace, through faith. And so again, last week, then we moved on to that, to the biblical definition of faith that we find in Hebrews 11.1, 1. okay, where it is that faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen, and it gives us assurance of things that we cannot see. Again, we, there is that step of faith. Again, I cannot see Christ and God at work right in front of me, and yet I know that he exists. I know that he is at work in my life, that he already paved the way for my salvation, and that I just have to receive that again, that I know that I will be saved, right? I have hope that that will actually happen, and I have confidence in what I cannot see, right? And through that faith, that I receive Christ as my Savior, as I confess my sins and invite him into my life, and then he forgives me, right? And that's how I join the journey of faith. Right, is by receiving that gift of salvation, right, and opening my life to him, inviting him into my life. And when I receive him as my salvation, then that now starts a new journey for me, right? And I start journeying towards Christ in my time on earth as I journey in my faith, as I'm transformed through the power of God, and I become more like Christ tomorrow than I am today as I live out my faith. 
right? And this earthly journey then completes when we are with God in heaven in his unhindered presence, right? Which starts then a whole new journey, a, a heavenly journey with God, right? For eternity. And so again, what do I do though with my time from when I, when I join the journey of faith until, until God calls me home and that earthly journey ends? Like, what do I do with that? And then we go to verse six in Hebrews 11, verse six, and it says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Again, if I, now my goal in life and my journey now from when I receive Christ my Savior until I'm with him in heaven is to please God. And that is now the new purpose of my life, right? As I worship him and as I walk with him and have an honoring relationship with him. And how do I please God? He, he describes two things that we looked at last week, right? Is I must believe that God exists. Right, which means that, again, every day as I walk with him, is I have to make that decision and, and trust the fact that God is real and that he is working in my life and that, that I, I am moving forward with him, that he exists. And it therefore affects all of my decisions and all of my attitudes and, and all of my perspectives and everything that I do in life is now through that lens of that Christ exists. Right? And then also as I need to sincerely seek him. Right, which means I will do stuff. Right? I, will, I will continue to, to, to do good works, to, to, to do the things that Scripture tells me to do, to, to follow through in those things. I will do, do stuff that God calls me to do. And when I do that, then he says he rewards us if we do those things. Again, this series is not about a reward being for salvation, but this is about a reward that we reap as we walk and journey with Christ every day. Right? And which is where we ended then last week. And the final thought of last week's message was this verse, 1 Timothy 4, 8. Okay, where it says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And so this verse now frames where we're headed these next several weeks as we study what does godliness training really look like? What are these different areas of my life and in my daily walk with Jesus that, that will train me to be more like Christ? Right, as I walk, and those are, the, again, the things that I'm going to reward. And, and again, it says benefits, I get benefits in this life, this earthly life, and this time, as well as in the life to come. Right now, when we, again, we, we know this concept. It's New Year's. We all make res resolutions. We know what physical training does in our life, right? We know that the most common, popular resolution in, in, in January, right, is, is to lose weight and, and to work out and to be better physically in our lives. In fact, for, for everybody who is a regular at a gym, right, the, the gym regulars actually take January off because it gets so busy at the gym with all of these New Year's people, right? And then they start to come back in the first of February because they know by February, all of the New Year's people starts to fizzle out and so then the, the gym's not quite so crowded anymore, and so they can go back to the gym, right, for all of those regulars in February. We understand physical training, right, and know that we have to continually do it for it to actually give us benefit, right? If we only do it for the first couple weeks, all we get is sore, right? But if we continually do it, then it brings benefits, and the same is true for godliness training, right? We have to keep doing it. And we need to continue to work. But then, again, what are those things that we do? How, what does godliness training really look like in my life? And, again, that's what we're going to look at these next several weeks. 
right, is what does the scripture describe these different areas of our life that I can continue to be trained in for more godliness. And so today we're going to look at this first thing that, that again, this theme in scripture about if I do this, I will reap rewards in this life and in life to come. And that is godliness training for our work. Godliness training for our work. Now, again, when you think about work, the first thought that we have, right, is getting in our culture is our job, our, our profession, right? And again, what do I do to make a living, right, and to support my family? Okay? And, and again, that is a part of our work, but it's not just our job. In fact, we were created by God to work, right? And, and even, again, even if you don't have a traditional job, you still have to find things to occupy yourself, right, to, to occupy your mind, to, to keep your, your body moving. In fact, because God created us to work. In fact, when we go back all the way to the Garden of Eden in Genesis, when God made Adam, right, and he put him in the garden, and, and again, Adam was there, an unhindered relationship with God, and then God, the next thing God did was gave him a job, right? He gave him work to do. In fact, God told Adam that he needed to cultivate and keep the garden and to name the animals, right? So from the very beginning, God created Adam, and then he gave him work to do, right? We, were, we are created to work, okay? And again, it's something that God put in us. In fact, if we don't work, if we don't have something to do, we tend to go crazy, okay? We, we get bored, we, we get idle, we get, in fact, there's all kinds of, of of uh, warnings in the Bible is saying, don't let yourself get idle because it, it will take you down a path that is not healthy, right? And so we have to find things to do. Again, even in retirement, even when our jobs end in our culture, we still have to find things to do, right? Because so we, we stay active and we continue to do this. Uh, this last week, again, and they were kind of talking about resolutions and different things, but on the radio, you know, between the songs, the DJs kind of have this banter and talk about these different things. Again, we are listening to 88.7, which is uh, Project 88.7 on the radio. It's a Christian station. My kids love it. I like it some of the time. There's, there's, there's some decent music, but there's some that I really don't like on that station. But anyways, between the songs, these, these DJs were talking about it. And, and again, they're, they're both, these DJs are kind of in their 30s. And again, they were talking about like, yeah, in our culture, there's this kind of goal that like people, they're like, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 35, I can retire, you know, in my 30s. And like, that would be great. And, and again, the DJ kind of made the point though. He's like, you know, that's great until, but think about if that actually happened. I mean, you retire at 35, like you hit the beach, right? So the first couple days, it's great, right? But then after a couple days in, you're kind of sitting about and being like, wow, this is kind of boring. Like I got to find something to do. You know, and again, his point was like, even when we retire, we have to work. We have to be occupied with something. In fact, um, you know, I've had this conversation with a financial planner within Church of God in our denomination. We have a retirement program called Servant Solutions. And again, one of the things they have, you know, people you talk to about how your money's invested and, and kind of your plan and all those things. And I was talking with my guy, uh, it was like last year, and and again, he sat down, and he's like, okay, well, we're looking and figuring this out. And, and he's like, well, at first, I just need to know, when do you want to retire? And I, I told him, I said, well, okay, time out. First, we just got to clear it. When is I don't want to ever retire, right? Because I feel like, I, again, I want to serve God my entire lifetime. I don't want to ever, ever retire. I will never stop, you know, ministry. I said, what, so what we're working towards, the day we're looking toward is when the church stops paying me. 
right? That's what we need to work for. And he's like, you're completely right. You know, he's like, I understand that. I get that. Okay, so when do you want the church to stop paying you? And I was like, well, obviously as soon as possible. So let's, let's, let's work that through, right? So, but, so again, we have that idea, but we will continue to work even after we retire, right? We got to find things to occupy us. God created us to work, right? And in his word, he gave us some guidelines about what our work should look like. Right? If as a follower of Jesus, as, as committed to him, as, as I continue to walk and journey with him, what will, should my work look like? Okay, so we're going to start this morning in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 22 through 4-1. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open with me to Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you today, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats, and you're welcome to use one of those. And you'll notice on the outline is the page numbers of where you can find this passage in that Bible. Um, but if we open up to the Colossians chapter 3, um, we are going to jump into kind of right in the middle of this passage um, where um, Paul is giving some instructions for a Christian household. Okay, and so he starts out with wives and with husbands and with children and kind of what their roles are and lives will look like. And then we're going to pick up here in this section, and he uses the term slaves and masters. Now, again, we, that meant something very different in their culture than what it means in ours today. Okay, and we'll say when we read those terms, think about of like um, employee and boss is kind of is the context that this is written in. So Okay, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 22. Okay, where it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything that you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear for the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will, you will be paid back for the wrong that you have done. For God has no favorites. And masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Okay, so now as we again read this, this advice, again, that Paul gives uh, to, to the church in, in Colossae and, and, and that we can glean from about what should their, their attitude, what should their work look like? And, and again, what is the perspective that they take into their godly work? Whatever it may be, right? And again, when you say we're not talking just about our, our job or our vocation, but just, again, what do we do with our time, right? What is our work that we do um, in our marriage? What's the work we do in our families, in our, in our church, in our community, in, in our job, right? In all of those things, right? And the first thing, again, the overall um, theme that, that Paul gives through this advice is that regardless of your position or task, you are working for God. Okay, regardless of your position or task, you are working for God. He is your ultimate master. Okay, he is the one you are working for. Okay, again, it doesn't matter what your position is. As you see, he talks to, to the master and the slave, right? It doesn't matter what your actual task is, whether, you know, no matter what your job is, no matter if it's a formal employee situation or a volunteer role or, or just a role within your family or a role within your church, whatever it would be, you have work to do. And when you do it, regardless of your position or task, know that you are doing it for God. 
right? Because through this, no matter what position you are in, we all have somebody above us. In fact, that's exactly what he says in chapter 4, verse 1, as he kind of addresses, again, if you are the boss, right? If you are the boss, remember that you also have a master who is in heaven. So again, he's telling you, he's like, hey, even if you are the boss, you're not actually the boss. Okay, that what you are doing is not just for earthly gain. It's not just for your business or for whatever it be. You're actually, you're serving Christ through everything that you do. Right, so no matter which position you are, you still have a, a, a boss, Right? And again, and that's a part of the work is we need to be doing what our boss tells us to do. And as a believer in Christ, right, we are all called to different work. Like I said, for some, it is their vocation. For some, like, you know, if you're already retired, it's something else. Or, or even if you're not retired, still, even within our time, we're not at work. God still gives us things to accomplish with our time. Right? God calls us to the work that he has designed for us. Right? And regardless of your position, you are working for God, and he is your master. Now, even if you aren't the boss, then he gives us more general advice right? in, uh, in verse 22. Right? As he says, try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. And again, first, all right, he says, again, when you work, do your work the best you can all the time. Right, no matter who's watching you. Now, again I, again, I don't have a lot of experience in the corporate world, but again, looking at that is I know that for a lot of, of earthly bosses, right, they have, they have security cameras for more than one reason. Right, because they not only look through the cameras for security reasons, they also look through the cameras to check up on their employees. Right, because the truth is employees don't always work as well when they're not being watched. Right? And, and again, Paul is saying, it's like, as a follower of Jesus, no, you're not actually working for your boss. You're working for God, which means that God is always watching you, by the way. Right? In fact, he says that in the passage, right? He's like, you're not going to fool God. Right? So when you're fulfilling the job that God's given you to do, do it wholeheartedly all the time. Right? Even if nobody's watching you. Right? Do the best job you can do. Okay? Because it is for God. Right, he says, and do that. And again, he's, why do we do that? Because we serve them sincerely because of our reverent fear for the Lord. Because God deserves our best. Right? And that is a part, again, how we worship him is we give him our best. Right? No matter, even if nobody's watching, right? I do, we do the best we can do. Again, whatever work God has given you, puts you in front of whatever role you're a part of, do your best because that's what God deserves. And all of our work is an act of worship to him. Again, looking at our band and our, our singers and, and, and stuff, again, they, pra they practice every week and, and we're all working in that to, do, to make it the best it can be. And why do we do that? Because we want to present the best work we can to our God. Right? Again, no matter what you're doing in work, what you're called to, do your best for God because you're actually working for him, right? Not for anyone else. Else. And if we take that perspective, then we will get a reward. And just as, as ever says, right, a reward in this life as well as in the life to come. And, and the, the reward that we get in this life, if we take this perspective, is we will have a joyful perspective about our work. 
right? Because, again, our why makes a huge difference. Who we're working for makes a big difference. This is true, and we're, again, and we've all been in different jobs. If you have a boss that you really don't like, you, you don't work as well as if you have a boss you do like. Right? And again, if we truly love God and are worshiping him, then whatever work I do, I want to do the best for him, and I will do it with a joyful perspective, because God has called me to that work, whatever that is. Now, again, when I think about this joyful perspective, I don't know about you, but this is what pops into my head. Right? I'm going to whistle while I work. Right, I'm going to have a great perspective and do that. Now, maybe you weren't raised on Disney movies the way I was, but, but again, that's, that, uh, this song starts going through my head when I think about this earthly reward. Right, again, we, will we have that kind of perspective? Will we be able to, to truly live that out? Again, that's what Paul tells us then in verse 23, right, when he says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Because whether, again, whether it's your nine to five, you clock into your job, or whether it's anything else that you do, is that you are doing that job because God wants you to do it in this season in your life. Right? God puts you where you are on purpose. And so do it willingly, right? Knowing that you're serving God through every moment of your life. Right? Whether I'm on the clock or I'm not on the clock. Right, that I'm going to do it with a joyful perspective that I get to do this for God today. Right, we have this perspective. Now, again, Paul gave some more advice, again, um, about our work and, and in one of his other letters. Okay, and that is our, the other passage we're going to read this morning. It is found in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. So it's back just a couple books. Um, and to Galatians um, chapter 6, where, again, it's another letter of Paul's same author as this other passage, but to a different group of people. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, he says this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you, are, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct, and those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. And don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest every everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to, to those in the family of faith. Again, as we read, again, these, and there's lots in this passage and, and lots to, to break down and to, and to look at, and in fact, more than we have time to really do this morning, right? But as we look at, again, these over concepts, right, of our work and, and what is it that he's really telling us to do in our work and, and through all of these different aspects, Okay, is that he's trying to get us to understand that our work shouldn't only be for personal gain. 
okay, that our, our work shouldn't be only for personal gain. Now, the emphasis on this is actually on the word only. Okay, in fact, there is nothing wrong with getting paid for the work that God's called you to do. In fact, there's more than one place in, in Scripture, it literally says the worker deserves their wage. Okay, and this is not talking about the fact that you shouldn't get paid for doing the work that God called you, but it shouldn't be only for personal gain. Right? And again, our motivation can be that like, hey, it is, again, I want to be a millionaire before I'm 35, right? Or whatever it would be, right? Is we can, that can be our goal in life is personal gain, right? And that could be why we work. And, and again, Paul tells us that um, it's not just to get paid. Is that's not why you work. In fact, if it is focused just on yourself and on your own personal gain, you will never be satisfied with your work. That is a dead-end road, right? It is one because you will never have enough, right? You will never be satisfied. You will never reach that. It is not leading you down a, a place that is going to be good. In fact, as we work, again, we should have the idea that, that not only do we earn a wage for our work and support our families and whatever that would be, but we also will benefit others through the work that we do. Okay, and, and I'll tell you is you will never have more satisfying work in this life than helping other people. Okay, and again, as you say, that work, that's the work is very loosely defined. That looks a lot of different ways. Okay, but it cannot be only for personal gain. In fact, that's, again, he tells us in verse 2, he says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. Right, he's telling us, he's like, hey, Christ bore your burden of sin on that cross and rose again on the third day. So again, you are never more like Christ than when you are helping someone else because Christ helped you when you didn't even deserve it, Amen. right? And we can follow that example as we become more Christ-like by helping other people with our work. And there's no other work that is ever more satisfying than that. Okay, it's not just for personal gain, but share each other's burdens, right? And again, he's saying you will then be more like Christ, if that is your goal and your perspective. Okay, and then he goes on in verse 7, right? And he, he tells us, again, it's a warning. He's like, don't be misled. Okay, you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Again, he's telling us, he's using this earthly concept to say, if, if, you, if, if your goal is is is, if, is selfish gain. If you plant selfish gain, right, then you're going to get that back, right? And it's going to feed itself. And then he goes on in the following verses, right, and he expands on this point of saying, if your work is, is of a selfish nature, it's actually going to hinder your journey of faith, right? It's going to lead you down a road that is not good. Right? He's like, however, you will always harvest what you plant. If you plant things that are focused on other people, things that are Christ-like, then that is what you will harvest in your life. And it will move you forward in your journey. And you will be more Christ-like. And it will help you to be more holy tomorrow than you are today. Again, and then he actually describes two different rewards in this life that we will gain if we can have this perspective. Right, that I'm not working for my, just for my own personal gain. I'm working for the benefit of others. Okay, the, the reward number one that he describes is freedom from comparison. Freedom from comparison. Now, I will tell you, is on, comparison 
is, is a very dangerous thing and is something that is at epidemic levels within our culture today. Okay, is we all compare ourselves to somebody else. And whenever you compare, you always are on the losing side. Okay, when you compare to somebody else, you will be on the losing side. Okay, the, a great example of this is, is social media. Right, and this is one of the biggest drawbacks of social media, right, is that it, you naturally compare your life to everything that, that, that everybody else is posting, but they don't post the truth, right? They post the highlights of their life. And so you end up comparing your actual life to everybody else's highlight reel, and then you lose worse, right? And, and this, is a, this is a dangerous trap. Right? But yet one of the earthly rewards of saying, hey, if my life isn't just about me, right, if it can be focused on other people, one of the earthly rewards, he says, you're free from that comparison. It's exactly what he says in verse 4. He says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Again, if I'm fulfilling what God called me to do, because God asked me to do it, and he's the one I'm working for, right, and I fulfill everything that God called me to do, then, it, then I can see what you're doing, but what you're doing is not what God called me to do. So I need to compare it to what God called me to do, not what you're doing. Right, and so there, then, the way I define success is completely different. Right, I'm successful if I fulfill what God's called me to do, not if I'm better than the person next to me. Right, and we can find freedom from that comparison trap. And then the other reward in this life that we, they, we get that he describes is we will have a motivation to keep going. Right, we'll have a motivation to keep going. Why do I get up in the morning and go to work? And how, why do I keep going? Well, because I have a motiv motivation to do it. Because God called me to do it and I'm not done with my work yet. Right? And when, if I am done with the work that God called me to do, then he'll give me a new job. Right? And he'll call me to something else, and he'll, he'll, he'll move me to that. Again, in verse 9, right, he says, Don't, So let's not get tired of doing what is good, because at just the right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Again, I will say, again, another part of our culture is we want instant results. Right? And that's one of the reasons we get frustrated in our work is if we don't get instant results. And yet, for most things that are good for us, it takes time before we actually reap a harvest. Right? Again, just as it says, it says, at the right time. If I'm working for God, then that's God's timing. He decides when I will harvest a blessing, not by mine. And, and I don't know about your experience with God's timing, but with mine, it seems to be later than mine. You know, God thinks my blessing is always later than what I think it should be. Right? But yet, again, it says God will give you a harvest of blessing. If you don't give up, keep going. Right? I have a motivation that comes from God. Yeah, we've, we, we've, I mentioned financial peace, and we're going to be teaching that class again. In, in, that, in that class, Dave Rebs talks about the fact that the, the, the concepts in that class are not instant. Right? In fact, he talks about it in there. He's like, this is not a microwave financial plan. This is a crockpot financial plan. Right? But it's, it's slow, right? and it's tedious. But if you don't give up and you do what you will get to that point of financial peace. And he also, though, talks about the motivation in that. And again, the point of financial peace, of getting healthy financially, is so that we can give a whole lot of money away. Because remember what we talked about earlier, right? You'll never experience a better life than helping other people. 
right? And, and in fact, Dave talks about it in the class. He talks about his motivation for, for continuing to write the books and to do the class and to do the radio show and things every day. He's like, because he said he had this realization that broke people cannot donate money. And so, again, for if we can get Christians financially healthy to the point where they can actually give the way that God describes the giving, we literally can change the world. Because people who have money can give money. But people who are deeply in debt and broke cannot give. Right? And that was his why, right, of why he even developed the class and continues to do that. And so when we go back to our motivation, that's our reward for our work, is we will be reminded of why we are doing it, and that will keep us motivated to keep going and to take the next step, which is where I want to end today, is the big picture of why do I continue to do the work that God calls me to. All right, and I want to end in with these words of Jesus in Matthew 25, verse 21, where it says, The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, and so I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Again, as a follower of Jesus, right, that is a huge reward that we will gain if we do the work that God calls us to do. Right, because I hope that I get, when I face Jesus, I get to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right, you have done the work that I called you to do. Right, and you have been faithful to your earthly journey. Right, and you continue to grow and you, you fulfill that. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's why we do the work that God's called us to. And again, your work is different than my work. Right, but God calls us all to work. He created us to work. Right, and will we go to work as we, as with a godly perspective and a godly attitude? Because we will reap rewards. Just as he says, right, let's celebrate together, right? And God wants to celebrate with you as we fulfill our life calling that he gives us. And we do all the work we have at the best we could ever do it because we're doing it for God, not for ourselves. Which leads us then to my final thought this morning, which comes out of Psalms 90:17, right? Where it says, and may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful, right? Again, how I define success is very differently with God than it is with the world. But notice he says, again, if I, if I get God's approval, if I do the work that he's called me to do, then he will make my efforts successful. And that is a place for an amen, like I've never heard one before, right? Amen, thank you. Somebody was listening, that's awesome. Hey, but no, okay, again, how, have you joined the journey of faith? Right, when you received him as your savior, then he gives you work to do. Are you fulfilling the work that he's called you to do? I hope today that when you received Christ as your savior, and then you fulfill everything that God gives you to do with every moment in your life. Lord God, that is our prayer this morning. God, we adore you and worship you with everything we have. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to guide each of us in our life. God, that we would fulfill the work you've called us to do. And God, we would do it with a godly perspective. God, that you would continue to show us exactly what our life needs to be about. And God, that we can do our work to the best that we can do it for you and with a joyful attitude. God, I pray, Lord, that, that as we go to our jobs, as we lead our families, as we pour into our marriages, as we serve in our community, as we, again, serve in our church, God, that we would um, do it to glorify you. And God, that you would um, guide us and continue to show us exactly what 
our role is. God, that no matter what we do, that we would shine your light and your love, God, through um, every moment as we fulfill the work you called us to do. God, I thank you that you give us work to do. Lord, guide us this week as we fulfill it all and do it, Lord, with your power and your love. Lord, may you work through us this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.